Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I am your guest and occasional co-host elsewhere, Chris Gamble. And we're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. And this is episode number 90. Chris Gamble is an electrical engineer and electronics instructor. His online course is called Contextual Electronics, and his podcast, y'all may have heard of it. Maybe. The Amp Hour. Um, it's a little bit bigger than ours. Just, yeah, by a, you know, a factor of... 10 or 100 or more. <laughs> yeah. And he was a guest on the MacFab Engineering Podcast uh, when we started, episode 33. So, Chris. That's, a, that's like a year ago, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, over a year ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were recording in my apartment <laughs> that day. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. this has moved moved internal. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Nice. So, Chris, anything else you want to add to your bio? Well, I just started a new job at Hologram, uh, which is a cellular connectivity company. And I'm doing the dreaded IoT thing. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. You want what? What, uh, what all does that entail? Well, I'm doing uh, so. Like, a, it's a term that's not really used much in the hardware world, as far as I can tell. But it's used a lot in the software world, world which is developer relations. And uh, and every time that term comes up, I always think of that thing from uh, uh, Nutty professor, where the grandmother's going like relations. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually thinking of like Office Space, where the guy who's got the red stapler, and yeah. he's like, "I'm the person who takes what people want and brings it to the engineers." Oh, that's not him. That's Mikowski, man. Oh, geez, you don't know your Office Space at all. <laughs> I guess I don't. <laughs> he called Smikowski you out. Mikowski was actually my last. <laughs> I thought that was, was that actually... guy. No, so no. Mikowski was a product manager. If you, if you, or, yeah, product marketer slash product manager, where he talks about like, I, I take the requirements for the customer, and then that's the right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Right. Yeah. You're right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, yeah, that's it. when they're asking him. So what do you actually do here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm a so, people person, damn it. <laughs> developer yeah. relations just sounds like talking to programmers. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, except there's hardware people now, so it's not just programmers. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. I guess, do, so we sort of fit in that weird world of the developers, I guess, as hardware guys. I guess so. Yeah, it's like there's different vernacular, but yeah, I mean, yeah, hardware developers, I suppose. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, so you know, it's mostly mostly just trying to help people build hardware, um, which is kind of <laughs> kind of fits my mo, which is nice. Uh, I like that. And now it's it's also cellular, which is uh, there's a lot of cool stuff around that space. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever built cellular projects or anything, but no, I've been playing with some satellite stuff, but not not oh, yeah. cellular. Nice, like iridium or what? What kind of satellite? Yep. Yeah, the the rock. The like welcome to the rock. Yeah, like, <laughs> except uh, not as cool, I guess. No, the Nicholas Cage half of the rock. <laughs> 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 My projects uh, of the rock kind of approximate that guy whose face melted at the end. That's kind of like the the rock. Oh That's sure, yeah. Wait, he got the yeah. gr- the green gas on him. The yeah. green, yeah. The, he eats the green goo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a little bit past. Um, yeah, not term too lim- soon. Term limits. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I mean, like cellular's cool. Uh, you know, there's the thing is these days that I talk about like so like one of the reasons that I joined and even considered it uh, you know a connectivity company in the first place is because it's just something I need to learn. You know, it's not like it's not like it's going away. Obviously, we just you guys posted about it. I saw, I mean, I mean we just talked about it in the amp hour, the uh, the crack K R A C K um the Wi-Fi vulnerability thing. Obviously, everybody's favorite um inter- uh, Twitter account is the Internet of 
uh, I don't know if are we allowed to swear the, the internet of oh, shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've oh, talked yeah. about okay. it multiple times. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, so that's like our favorite like Twitter account. You know, like so yeah. I mean, it's just it's just not going away, and so might as well learn how to do it right. And I'm and I am learning a ton. So uh, especially like you know the other interesting thing is uh, developers like software developers specifically. Um, that's like a whole world that I just never had exposure to, and so this is an interesting like in between layer that um, I have to learn and kind of, I guess I'm Embrace. not, not going to be building like JavaScript stuff anytime soon, but uh, at least I have to know how to talk to them and explain hardware to people that are technical, but not in, in the hardware space. Well, I, I, how are you liking that? It's, it's great. So, I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks to be honest. Um, yeah. I've been, been to a couple shows. I've been building some hardware and, um, you know, going to some more shows throughout the year, kind of, but basically, just trying to reach out to people, and um, I'll be making videos again. That'll be cool, you know. Like just like making projects and talking to people, like nerdy stuff. It's like it's like for podcasting, but for a job, kind of. That's awesome. That's nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's 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 all been great, you know. So on the um on that cell cellular stuff, um, I. I is is the like the videos that you can be making and stuff for for hobbyists or is it for the developers that you're you get to talk to a lot or is it you know explain a little more on that one well it's yeah that's that's a great question actually because it's you know like so much of the stuff that you see so like like professional video stuff right that's another space where i am not in it right so me and parker uh, recorded for supply frame my last company right so we did yep. like that talking head thing and that was that was cool uh, and that was kind of more like a podcast, but somewhere between like that and a tutorial and, and, you know, not like a corporate training video, but like something along those lines of like, how do you really communicate how to get a thing built? Right. That's, that's really what, that's the question you're trying to answer at the end of the day. And I think video is still the best way to do it. I think having written content's good too. Uh, so like all these things are important and. I've forgotten the original question now, so hopefully I answered no, it. No, it's actually it's actually really funny because you brought up a uh, video versus um, like written do- documentation and stuff, and I'm yeah. actually finding the same thing with because um, I've been helping the like helping the developers more over here at Macfab and yeah. basically taking Wait, over. You have to define that. Sorry, hold on. The the, the internally like your software because you guys have a yeah. lot of software people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like being basically moving from uh, production support, I'm moving more towards you know, internal development support and Steven, basically we were both basically, we did both those things and now we've kind of like spread out a bit, I guess. Yeah. We did a lot of floating before as to whoever needed engineering support. And now we're a little bit more focused. Yeah. So Steven does more of the production support and I do more of the internal development support. And, um, basically I went and like, look, basically looking at Jira, like makes me like want to, you know, blow my head off. Uh Um, but just how crazy it is, and so I'm like and trying Jira to find is the uh, Atlassian, uh, the tracking, the tracking track, stuff, yeah, and right, so that's it, what they use. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. you know, I'm basically trying to learn how to be an admin for the Jira stuff, Ooh. and it's pretty brutal because <laughs> um, yeah, they use a yeah. lot of they use a lot of like developer object stuff to explain, you know, how how the tracking system works, and um, you got schemes and all those classes? other things, Are there classes. And it's like this doesn't make any sense coming from a hardware engineer with C programming background. Right, I was gonna say flashbacks to Java classes, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, uh, um, databases classes. Yeah, yeah. Nice. 
And, that sounds brutal. Yeah. And I uh, mean, some of this stuff is just like, I, so I think about it too. Like, so I'm what, 15 ish years into my career. Nah, probably less than that. Probably 10. Let's say 10 years into my career in kind. But like, you know, like it's like they talk about like every seven years, right? It's like, you know, even if you stay in the same industry, your job nature usually changes. Either you switch to management or like in our case, we're, you know, we're doing, I'm doing training things now. And, you know, it's just uh, it's new challenges. So that's cool. Um, and that's just so Parker is just another challenge. It's just oh yeah, <laughs> working with Jira and uh, Atlassian tools. Yeah, and it was um like like trying to read the documentation is pretty pretty rough. And so I'm mm-hmm. like looking on YouTube, looking see what how do I make this thing work? Yeah, right. And that helps a lot. Right. Well, and that's and and personally, yeah, personally, I mean, I so I sold my house when I moved to Chicago. I live in Chicago now. I think I told you guys that, but like um. So I sold my house when I moved to Chicago, and so I haven't been doing home improvement stuff. But man, when I was doing home improvement stuff, like there was—I feel like a superhero. Just like it's like, oh, you have you have a YouTube video. There's like you know, and and the best part is, it's like it's literally some plumber who's like just using a cell phone and showing you how to do stuff. Sometimes there's better stuff, but it's just like, and here's how you replace a drain pipe. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I can do that now. So like, video as an enabling tool there is is pretty awesome. And, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you guys know that from, you know, you probably follow the same YouTubers with electronics that I do, right? So, AVE. To... <laughs> Which one? AVEs then? Yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. Skookum. Yep. <laughs> I've been watching that a lot more. I, I, you know, it took me a while to get into that, but uh, <laughs> once you're in, you're, you're in for life, you know? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and then um, going to go back a little bit too on the, because, I, when I was looking at all this like satellite stuff, and the reason why I chose satellite is because it's kind of future proofed in terms of you know what Iridium <laughs> well, what says. If, what about when the sun explodes, Parker? <laughs> I mean, I think your cellular <laughs> network won't work either. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You get what four point three billion years until then. Now the gear I was yeah. gonna say you, you get about eight minutes until the sun reaches here. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so one of the big thing is is why I chose that was because most of the hobbyist stuff is still running on 2G, which won't exist. Yeah, no, actually, it's already, it's at the point. So um, I'm going to be doing a workshop at Supercon uh, coming up, and we have 2G modules, and that's our backup. Uh, but in the event that that's our only case, we need to have T-Mobile coverage or else. Like, T-Mobile is the only coverage in the States that does 2G anymore. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. That's uh, that. That is a good point. I think that um, the heart. We're right. We're right in that weird like cusp between, like three G is like a w- awkward, really large module stuff. Like if you look at the Adafruit Phono, which is a nice project, a nice product rather. Uh, it's it's the the product itself is nice, but you look at the module that's on board, it's just monstrous. It's probably an inch and a half square, right? I mean, like it's an yeah. inch and a half by an inch and a half, so whatever that is. Yeah, it's about um, the size of a GPS module. Yeah, uh, well, and it has one internally, and that's and that is why it's bigger. But but it's still it's just monstrous. You know, compare that to like a, you know, ESP eighty two sixty six or even the thirty two, and it's it's a pretty tough comparison there. So so yeah, we're at this weird point. I think four um, G is on the way, but um, the coverage again, isn't there. Yeah, uh, it's yeah 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 exactly uh, yes we are yeah my company's gonna be one of the first to cover it. I think, but the thing is, it's just getting hardware right now is the hard part. So. Um, what is the satellite for? Um, basically for, um, communicating to a web server for doing uh, location for off-roading and stuff like that with the yeah. Jeep camping. Yep. Yeah. 
So it has to work out in the middle of nowhere, Texas. See, and that's which is like half the state. That's that's the thing where I think about stuff like that, and say that's where it's like an all of the above kind of thing. Like so, like if you have cellular, I would say use cellular. If you have Wi-Fi, you're going to get even. You know, it's it's lower cost, higher bandwidth, everything like that. Yep. Use Wi-Fi, right? And it's like it's kind of just like what what can you do? And when you're in the middle of nowhere, yeah, satellite's pretty much your only option, unless you're doing like like yeah, LoRa is kind of there too. But if you have that, use that too. But like man, it's it's. Uh, I get really like anxious when I think about like really big open spaces, so I try not to think about projects that do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's not like you you're pushing a lot of data with this. It's like you know you're sending coordinates and a timestamp. Yeah, and that's about it. Yeah, it's and it was so it's like breadcrumbs kind of thing. So people yeah, yeah, it. yeah. When you get eaten by a bear, is that what it was? Um, <laughs> mainly if the vehicle stops working. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then you then you get eaten by a bear. Or, yeah, or a dinosaur, you know. It depends I, I, well, it's, on which it's, movie you're in. It's West Texas, so probably tarantula. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, that's the end of the podcast. It's been real, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to you on episode 190. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff. And and so, I mean, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you really don't have a choice. And, and, and so that's another thing, actually, I was excited about with this gig was the um, – you know, working with like ag tech, I think ag tech is is a fantastically interesting area because not only is are there hard problems to solve, there uh, the environmental impacts are are large. Just generally, impact is large, but then um, the fact that it's it's remote, you know, like it's it's doing things that are that nothing else can really touch. You know, it's oh, oh sorry, that was that wasn't the last point. The last point was they have money. Uh, <laughs> that's the part <laughs> I like as well. <laughs> That's always good when you get paid when you work. Yeah, right? I mean, That's like always industrial, nice. Industrial, ag tech. I mean, I kind of lump ag tech into industrial, but I'm sure you guys see tons of industrial stuff coming through. Um, we we get just... a we get a pretty decent mix. Oh, yeah? Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just had Jen and Alvaro on the show, um, episode 363, and uh, they came on to respond to my assertion that we didn't have any consumer people on the show, which was pretty much true, not completely true. And uh, they came to talk about consumer and man, it's just a different world, right? It's like industrial versus consumer. It's just a different set of design constraints. So mm-hmm. it's and I and I will take industrial every time. <laughs> I mean, you, you you cringe a little bit when you don't get the the pricing you need, but at the same time, the people on the other end usually are willing to pay that cost differential for you. So it's great. Yeah, if you in the industrial world, if you do make a really good product, mm-hmm. the the industry understands that usually. Whereas yeah, in the consumer right. world, they don't give a shit. Right. Exactly. Well, the the expectations for longevity are that's probably one of the biggest constraints that you talk about. That's different, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What is what is the longest uh, uh, longest term products you guys have built? Uh, lo- longest term. None of us have like super long careers, so I get that. But like, um, <laughs> I have. Let's see. That somebody else uses, or something that I still use. I guess I have both. The, yeah, um, I'd say that someone else uses because that's probably going to be longer. Yeah, so the uh, the uh, spooky pinball pin hex system, um, oh, yeah. that's still running. Around. That's six years so far. Nice. Okay. So, I've I've designed some vibration sensors that are in a couple, uh, well, not a couple, a, a good chunk of, of um, coal power plants, and those have been running for. Yep, a, a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I used to work in the power plant uh, sector as well, and the uh, yeah, I was 
I was designing stuff that ostensibly was supposed to last that long, but really the big thing was I was often I was re- I was designing replacements for things that had been in the field for thirty years, and it's like damn, like that is <laughs> I don't I don't know those kind of timelines I don't really expect. I like attribute these feelings to, not to feelings, but like I attribute like like electronics don't get tired, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like you know like when you leave an LED on, you're like oh I should really turn that off. It's like no, it doesn't care. It's fine, right? There's no it's not like a light bulb and stuff like that. It's just you know it's yes maybe it's a little bit more stressed and there is possibility the bond wire would go at some point, but the LED doesn't care, you know. I I don't know. Sometimes I think about like oh I should really shut that off, or this is stressing that electronics. It's like no no it's, if it's in operating range it's fine. Well, right, right. I, I, however, with the exception of maybe, like, electrolytic capacitors or something like that. Yeah, okay, true. Because they actually have some chemistry that's going to dry out. Yeah. True. But you can just switch over to, you know, a different uh, style of capacitor if you need to. Yeah, well, of course, of course. Yeah. But but when you're doing a design that you know needs to last a significant amount of time, you add a whole second layer to your your design. So normally, you know, you have a design where... You know, if you're just prototyping, the main goal is just make it work. You you right. know, it's not that extra layer of oh my gosh, this is, has to continuously work. That makes it right. uh, that makes it a little bit more fun, you know. Right, redundancy yeah. and all those different things, and and yeah, uh, specking in the headroom for things and stuff like that, right? You know, and 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 you know, I I've done a lot of repairs um, on on consumer equipment. And one of the things that I learned it doing all of that was that you shouldn't ever trust that any component will last. You know, uh, I saw I saw absolutely every type of component fail. Uh, you know, most of the time it's it's fairly safe to consider that the resistors are fine if they're not black, you know, and charred. But that's not always true. I've had plenty of wow, situations okay. where yeah. a resistor went bad, and sometimes they would go bad. Um, especially like the old school um, wire round, uh, wound or mm. the big bulky. Um, uh, what's the, the the ones that are actually look like cylinders? Carbon composition. Yeah, well, those oh, were yeah. actually get micro fractures, and then so when they heat up, they just increase resistance because now they have cracks in them. And you, you, yeah. uh, so, a little bit of a tangent on those guys, they're really prone to moisture ingression over a long period of time and they will actually drift in their value but at the same time because of the carbon composition it's weird they have a voltage dependent resistance that uh changes with with age so as they get (laughs) older the more voltage you put on them the more they actually physically change their resistance uh and it's like 0.001 percent per volt but if you have something that's 300 400 500 volts it actually starts to take effect and it gets worse with age so you do have to consider these things, but... I don't or if you're using, like, high-value resistors to start with, right? Which is usually when it starts to really be noticeable, right? Right. Oh, yeah. St- stuff starts to get weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll reel it back a bit sure. on, on the cellular stuff. So the, the Hackaday Super Conference, yeah. Chris. So you're giving a talk there. I'm doing a workshop there. Oh, a workshop. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Hologram, my company, is helping sponsor. And so in exchange, we get to do a workshop. So I'll be doing a workshop. That's actually the the hardware that I'm helping. So so, <laughs> I have last minute hardware that I'm hoping will work. And I mentioned this on the the episode of the Empire I just recorded too. So now it's in two places on the internet. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to make it happen. Yeah right. Uh, yeah. So it's it's basically just a low level AT command, um, which is just cra- which is crazy. I, I I was just reading about it today. My my coworker Ben knows a lot more about it, so he's gonna help me write the libraries and and stuff like that. But you know, if you 
like people know this a lot from the ESP eighty two sixty six as well. It's just simple, simple single line commands that you send, you know, to open connections and broker connections, and and then eventually send data. It's usually just over serial, and so we're going to be doing that for low level, uh, just via serial onto modems, with the ultimate goal of hopefully uh, we're going to have some you know microcontrollers, maybe some little Arduino boards or something. Um, but the hopeful goal is that people can get through the example and then use the uh, the super conference badge, the uh, Mike, Mike Harrison super conference badge, to uh, also talk to the serial. So that would be that would be the ultimate goal. We'll see if that happens. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Have, and you guys saw that thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen it. <laughs> cool. It's it's been coming through. <laughs> Oh, you guys are making it, of course, right? Yeah, right. Okay. There you, there you go. Right. <laughs> yeah, we were just having a chat about it earlier today. Yeah, How, how's it going? Is it going okay? It's good. Yeah, it's it's going great. Our customer support guy came over today, and he's like, "Uh, this? What? What? What's this?" <laughs> so we we had we had to go through it. Yeah, yeah. That's. I'm sure that uh, Mike Harrison gets that kind of comment a lot, right? <laughs> what what you doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It was it was something very very close to that. So yeah. yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, and so there's uh, a couple expansion headers on there. I think uh, I talked to Mike Stish, the head editor, uh, the lead editor of Hackaday, and he said he's going to be writing, he may have published it today, I didn't actually see, uh, like a ex- explanation of, or maybe by the time this posts, um, but an explanation of how to hack it, you know, kind of like a, a, a primer on how to hack it, that kind of idea. So Yeah, they, had, they already had an article explaining what it is and how they designed right. it and right. all that stuff. So I guess that's the next article they're writing. Right. Well, this is so. So this is something else we could talk about in in terms of uh, you know conference badges too. This is something I think is new, but pre-publishing the header. Um, that that's what I was most excited about because I was so. If people don't know, I was helping uh, you know kind of get this start. I used to help run Super Conference, and um, I've always wanted it where people could show up with a badge done or uh, with a mod done, right? Which is a little bit cheating, but like I think that could be like a separate category of of uh, you know mods and stuff and in the contest oh you can call it the uh it's the unlimited class right exactly yeah exactly it's like the heavyweights or whatever right so yeah Yeah. that kind of thing um i and it's obviously going to be a subset of people that are that are doing that but at the same time you could do some really cool things so i don't know who cares um Hmm. it's like reading the chapter before going to class (laughs) who does that so (laughs) no no you say that i actually got in trouble for doing that what? No. Yeah. What, what so, class? It was the class for um, doing. It was mathematical proofs. Oh. Wow. And so, and and the that's teacher, all backwards, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> it was um yeah so it was doing um all all the chapters we basically did one chapter every you know class period right, and I read and basically each chapter built off the previous one and so if you read ahead. You knew how to. You knew the better proof to solve the problem, and so I just read ahead, just you oh, know, without see, thinking about it, and I answered the proof with yeah. the better way of to do the proof. And then I and she, I in front of the class because I was pre, I was presenting it. She called me. I was cheating. <laughs> there was a Simpsons episode about that. I think. Yeah. Where, like Bart. Bart like is talking about how he cheated on the test because he just went home and he memorized all the materials and then. It was from the book or something. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't cheat. It's like I just opened the book and said, "This is where it shows that how to do this proof." 
in the books that you gave us. Like to dive into the the world of education and my feelings on education. I'm always happy to do that, but we could do that in a little bit, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I have strong feelings, but yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that we align on many of them. So, yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, that that uh, that badge is coming along. It sounds like and. um, Hopefully the workshop people will be able to do that stuff. I don't know. Like uh, there's some other good workshops though, though too. So like there's a black magic probe workshop and um, what else? Uh, Autodesk is doing a workshop on Eagle, the Eagle uh, fusion switchover. Matt's doing that one. So that'll be fun. And yeah, I mean, Oh, and uh, what's his name? Josh. Josh is doing the tentacle mechanism. He's going, he's doing a workshop where you can build a tentacle mechanism and that is very ambitious and i'm very interested to see if there's going to be like 30 tentacles at the end of this thing <laughs> oh man you know what i'm talking about with this thing or no did you guys see that from last year i no i i saw someone a couple months ago on hackaday that built a um tentacle so i yeah, wonder if it's so the same like guy. wires and delrin that's josh he's a mechanical he's like somewhere between mechanical and electrical um and uh yeah it's that's like a weird space to be in and yeah it's awesome <laughs> so so the uh the, the 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 badge game is really really strong out at uh defcon but sure, uh yeah. how about at super convert uh well you have to uh probably quantify that a little more uh, so how how's how's the badge game different because that is the game though i guess is the real thing well yes. i guess what i mean by game is that there's badges everywhere and tons of people are designing them and there's a lot of variety and a lot of creativity uh sure. is hackaday the the super conference does it have the same level of craziness going on no because there's no secondary market so so this is a great topic uh and i'm sure you guys have talked with the x and, and uh, x not and or whatever yep whatever the hell their name is uh, <laughs> those guys and uh, not x or that's it yeah that's the one uh yeah i mean there's a market there right so that that kind of encourages people to make a variety of them and then sell them as an actual commercial enterprise um and and talking about that stuff, I think the whole badge life thing is is blows me away. Like, first off, that there is such a market that people will pay a hundred, hundred twenty five bucks for one of those things. Like, they're beautiful, but they're come on, guys, they're boards. Like, <laughs> 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 I mean, like any, I mean, I'll 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 defend that. Like, but that that's me as a hardware person, right? And it's like I've seen a lot of these badges. I I, I talked to them when I was at DefCon. It was a beautiful badge. I said, please don't give me one. Like, they offered me one. It was very nice of them. And I said, please don't give me one. I just won't appreciate it. You know, I've had, I just have a box of circuit boards. And this is just the hardware thing, right? Hardware people have more hardware than they know what to do with normally. Again, oh, oh yeah. I have, there's a box over there that's probably full of 40 different dev boards right. that people exactly. have given me over the years. Right. And <laughs> it's like, and it's just not appreciated as much. Now, if I have something where it's like, I need to actually try out a part. That's why a dev board is is exists in the first place, but it's it changed it's changed. Um, so like I talked to Alicia about it, right? So Alicia from Embedded FM, she was she she would always gratefully accept a board because she would actually like go and use it for the code and 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 you know it was it was not something that she was building her own boards, right? But she was doing it as a as a a new thing to try out with the with the code stuff. And for me, it was usually like okay, got it done, good. I'll go to design my own, right? And that I I just feel like that's the difference there. I don't want to sound ungrateful. I know I do sound ungrateful. Um, no, not at all. No, not at all. It, it completely makes sense. Yeah. 
Well, like young Chris, right? Younger in my younger days, I I was I was the same. Like I was also like I would take any board that was handed to me, and and but now it's just that it's built. Like you, like you said, it's just built up, and um and I feel guilty because um, I'm not. I know I'm not going to use it. Dev board <laughs> guilt. So I wonder what I wonder Can we what make the, that the name of the podcast. Dev, dev board guild. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, I'm wondering what the what the analog would be for hardware guys. I mean, if if the guys at at DevCon like hold these boards in such high regard, what would be a hardware version of that? Uh, you mean like what would we be given that would that we value that highly? Yeah. Uh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> <I'm a> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I think maybe. Um, I don't know. If someone did a bunch of free coding for me, I guess. I, yeah, I, I, guess I was I about really to say a, a a a firmware package <laughs> for whatever EDA tool that you're using that works perfectly with proper documentation. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Actually, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Can't so, carry yeah, that I, around on I a conference so. with you, though. No. Huh. We need to come up with something that works for that. We'll we'll I mean, get right on. Give that. me like cash. That always works. Um, if they want to just give me cash. Yeah. Cash uh, or beer. Yeah, that also works. Um, you know, like I, I I don't know. I I just think it's just a slightly different thing there. So I think that that uh, the badge life thing is is really interesting to me. Um, and I I love watching it actually. It's it's really interesting uh, watching other people come in and be like, and then I couldn't source parts and saying, well, welcome to the club. Uh, you, you you've been ordained by fire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And it burns. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure that a lot of them, I think you, you guys said either you or Chris or someone told me that there's a lot of badge life stuff that comes through Macrofab too. So Yeah. The, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure that you are their salvation. Yeah. The, uh, and not XOR guys were pretty generous in, in pimping Macrofab in their, yeah. their inner circle. So Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yep. And we had um, them and the guys that um, – uh, John Adams that did the other big bore or big badge out there. Oh, the car hacking badge. Yeah, that was um he the was Game on Boy the podcast. Board. Yeah, he was on the podcast as well. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I mean it's great. I mean, I I, I love that there's a lot of interest in it. I mean, there's nothing. It'll it just it more hardware people please like right. I mean like that's, that's oh really, yeah. That's like the end of the day. That's all I care about. So whatever brings people in is great. And, and the crazy thing is too, most of these badge life guys that they, they're they're software people first. And these are like it's like it's it's trial by fire, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. awesome to watch and help help them out and yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't know if I sure. say awesome to watch. That's a little that's a little bit sadistic, don't you think? <laughs> like no, <laughs> it's just you know help and then them you out and a resistor. <laughs> you know, well no, just trying to help you know guide them. You know, because you know yeah. we we've been building. You know, I say we is you know Chris and and Stephen and I, um, the royal we. Yeah, the royal we. Yeah, um, you know, been building hardware for. Probably collectively we have forty years, probably right. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. that, yeah, or more. That would make sense. And so it's like one of those things where it's like there's a lot of pitfalls that you don't want people to fall into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's a little bit of pride in helping someone and being like, look, it was really shitty when I was there. Let me make sure it's not shitty for you. Well, and I think that that's. I mean, ultimately, I think that like the Amp Hour and, and your podcast and, and Embedded and uh, the Spark Gap, whenever the hell that's coming back, Carl, Corey. Where are you? Uh, <laughs> uh, where was I going with that? I think that's why. So, like, when when the guests come on these shows, right? It's interesting just because, like, um, hearing these stories, right? I mean, it's like collecting wisdom, 
you're still never going to learn it as good as as feeling that pain like being at work at two in the morning desoldering some part that was backwards right you, you will you will double check your diode placement after you have to desolder a, you know a thousand boards right but um so you can't really replace the the experience of it but but hearing about it sure as heck helps so yeah yep um yeah so how can I build more stuff with macrofab? <laughs> that segue. Yeah, it was flawless. Yeah, flawless. Was, yeah. Um, so, execution. yeah, so we'll go into have any the RFO. Yeah. <laughs> so the RFO, the segment, Rapid Fire Opinion, where we have a couple topics. We go through them pretty quickly. Fire. I didn't get that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yep. Rapid yeah. Fire. Well, and, and not, we, yeah, we go through it and we not so rapidly fire off opinions. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Oh, so. This is like, uh, well, yeah, is like FO doesn't on, on embedded, but without the lightning. Yeah. And, and more hardware. Yeah. Got so, it. Yeah. Do it. So this week, um, Macrofab announces pro, uh, production manufacturing services expansion to Mexico or in Mexico. Found on the Amp Hour subreddit. Oh, whoa. Yes. I haven't awesome. heard of these Macrofab guys before, Parker. Yeah, why don't you tell right. me about them? <laughs> this, is like, this is like the worst product placement ever, guys. Oh, yeah. 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 We really do May's try to here. avoid this. <laughs> yeah. I think this is the second, maybe third time in 90 episodes we've actually talked about Macrofab. Right. Well, right. Per- yeah, purposefully without someone else bringing it up, we we try to avoid that. Yeah. But this is this this was a really big rollout and some cool stuff. No, no better time to show than when Chris Gamble's on your episode. I'm just saying. <laughs> actually, actually, you know what's really funny is um, Iris, uh, which is our mar- uh, who's our mar- marketing manager, um, put this in the show notes, and I'm like, uh-huh. oh, and we're also having Chris Gamble on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we launched a new website earlier this week. Um, so it's a whole brand new front end for the .com, and then there's a whole new PCB interface in our factory .com. Right. Um, we launched some new services. The big one is 10-day prototyping. So if nice. you basically are, are ordering a prototype and you have, I'm going. This is this is marketing stuff, guys. Sorry. Um, I don't think so. I actually, I saw I, I used this the other day. So I. <laughs> I'm assembling a board, I told you, right? Yep. And I started freaking out. I'm like, oh shit, I have to do this myself. I, like, I So first off, I designed with 0402 components. And I, it, you know, disclaimer, I talked about a lot of this stuff on the on the Amp Hour this week too. So people might be doubling up, but who cares? It's more electronics. Uh, but yeah, 0402 components and a bunch of small, small uh, SOT 523, stuff like that. Um, and I'm probably screwed, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Get your green so I was, ready. I was just putting it in though, so like uh, I was put I put it into Macrofab just to see, and I actually I didn't I didn't I did not read the rules, so I didn't know. So it says what? No more than fifty units. I'm actually at fifty units, so I might just squeak it in. We'll see. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So it's no more than fifty units for this is how you qualify for, for ten day. Uh, no more than fifty units, less than two thousand SMT parts total. Total, um, yeah. less than twenty SMT line items, and no through hole. New, and yep. no through hole is like. For the rest of time, come on, folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, Although, how do you, how do you qualify? Do you qualify like so? I have a USB. Actually, I use, I use your USB. Uh, yeah. So that USB one piece. is classified as a uh, SMT part. Okay. So we, just you, because it doesn't apply wave solder. So I sorry, we should explain this too. So it's got the slotted holes for the the mounting mounting pins, tabs. Right, on the so shell. we do um um paste and hole for that that guy. 
Oh, really? Yeah. I, what is that process? So basically, since we have a paste jetter, which is instead of having a stencil yeah. to um, put the paste down, so a stencil is like... It's a, a squeegee. It's squeegee, and there's a big piece of stainless that's got holes, and so when you drag the solder paste across, it leaves yeah. the paste in the holes, and you pull the stencil up, and now all your pads are pasted. What we have basically is a laser jet printer that mm-hmm. prints paste down. And got so it. we can base, uh, tell when it goes over that hole is to shove a ton of paste into that hole instead got of it. just a thin layer like a stencil would. Yeah, it's we can like actually... When- it's like when you used to have like a, uh, a typewriter and you needed to bold something, you just did a backspace and you typed it over again. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's right. a, that's yeah. almost exactly what it does. Do you guys remember typewriters? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no? I mean, I was at the end, tail end of it anyway. So. You know, actually, funny enough, a little bit of a side story. We actually got a, uh, a firmware update from one of our customers today. They wanted to update. Uh, actually, it wasn't firmware. It was, a, it was a test program for one of our okay. customers. Yeah, yeah. And they sent a CD in today and uh, with with the update what I was do like, i do wow, with this oh, okay I, yeah. this we're doing this yeah. <laughs> my coworker was throwing a bunch out yesterday i was like i throw them all out I, I literally have no i have a dvd collection i have no way to play dvds anymore I yeah i don't know what to do with them like am i download them i guess i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so yeah cool. and, and the thing about the 10 day is um it's there's no extra charge so Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Okay. So basically, it's just just the low volume stuff to start with, right? Yeah. And the reason why for these rules is it's so that we can get it out that fast. Yeah. (laughs) Right. 10 day. Um, The big one is no through rule because a lot of times, most of your, all of our SMT stuff is done for most of our jobs by 10 days. It's the Uh through hole that just takes longer. Got it. Yeah. Because that's like a queue of people actually soldering or, Or or yeah, it depends on the quantity. Then we fire up, you know, the selective solder which is a mm-hmm. fancy wave solder machine. So Yeah. Well, and you guys are also going to uh, Mexico. That That's yeah. correct, yeah. So Steven can talk about this one. Yeah, so uh, you, he's actually been there. there. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I've uh, been, there, been there a couple times now. So, um, yeah, we, we... Down to TJ or what? Uh, Tijuana, yes. Yeah, we, nice. we, have, uh, we have a plant down there now uh, that will cool. be helping us with our high-volume production runs. So they're, uh, you know... The system now has the capability of kind of directing you where you go based off of the quantity, uh, and mm-hmm. and now the new system has like nice graphs and things that show cutoff points when you yep. you, uh, you qualify for production. And so for our very highest run customers, our our high quantity customers, we can actually uh, have your boards manufactured in uh, in Tijuana. So we can still offer the best price when you're you know wanting a couple hundred thousand boards done. <laughs> uh, and still, yeah. still meet a good, good uh, time frame. Have you guys ever done high volume like that? Again, this kind of goes back to consumer, I'm sure. But personally, no. At Macfab, yes. <laughs> well, I'm sure, of course. I mean, yeah, personally, sorry. No, I think um, that that pinheck board we build 200 at a time. So okay, yeah. At, at previous jobs, I've done. Um, you know, I've I've had some products that I've supported that uh, you know you were doing 120 to 150 full assemblies per day. So I've, oh, yeah. done, I've done some high high volume stuff. Well, Mr. Kaiser, Mr. Jeff Kaiser, Mighty Ohm, uh, he, uh, he he's come on. And he's talked about that stuff. You know, he did the uh, the steam controller. Yep. And geez, I just I, it's that like again, big open spaces and high volume manufacturing, two things that make me very anxious. Uh, just because like I don't know, like I make mistakes, <laughs> but that that doesn't really affect the uh, the open spaces, I suppose, unless I'm near a bear. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Or um, giant tarantulas, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't go to West Texas. Come on, man. <laughs> what are you crazy? You said West Texas or East Texas? West. West. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. East Texas is Gators. Does. West is Tarantulas. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So actually, down in uh, Tijuana, <laughs> I met the guy who was one of the managers over um, getting the Nintendo Wii created in China. Really? Oh, yep. Wow. That's cool. He said that was stressful. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said Nintendo is really, really uh, very strict on their quality standards. I believe that 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, and, and like, there's there's so many moving parts. I mean, it's it's easy to see, like, well, so like, I mean, you said, Stephen, you're, you're doing more like production level stuff as well. That's it's, right. It's, re- it's really like a whole other field, right? I mean, there's electronics, but then there's like manufacturing engineering, you know? And it's like, it's it's this whole other segment that, is super important, but most people don't get to that point because, because well, first off, volumes leaving the states, hopefully coming back. Um, but you know, it's just a uh, most people don't get to experience it. Yeah, you know, and and what's funny about it is it kind of is in parallel with what we were talking about earlier, where you know you have your design and your initial thing is just get the design working, and then we talked yeah. about longevity. Well, yeah. you have to add yet one more layer on it, where you ask yourself, can we even make this? You know, is it yeah, even possible right. to yeah. make my design? Yeah, even yeah. like. You know, go, jumping from a hundred units to a thousand units, just the just the the supply chain. Yeah, of you course. know, like if you're using some kind of somewhat obscure microcontroller, you know, Mauser might have a couple hundred. Mm-hmm. Now you need a you know a thousand units. Right. Right. Yeah. We, well, when we were ta- when we were talking about your new service thing on the amp hour, um, again, if people are listening in order, sorry. Uh, now uh, I need to go listen to it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but basically Dave <laughs> scoffed. Dave scoffed at the forty days thing, right? And, and it was for like five thousand units. But I, I told him I was like, look, at five thousand units, I think about just, just like a couple. If you have like one transistor that you got five of them on the board times five thousand, that's twenty five thousand. You're not going to be able to buy that, you know, unless it's the most jelly bean of jelly bean components. You're just not going to be able to buy that from distribution because distribution doesn't want to have it on an order. Exactly. And so it's like, it's like you are you you are then captive to the eight six to eight week lead time of of the manufacturers of the uh, component manufacturers. Yep. So. And a lot of times when you get to that volume, like, you know, you said 25,000 of the of a part, we go talk to diodes, Inc. Basically. Of course. Actually, yeah. I think diodes, Inc. Is a real company. It, it is. Yes. <laughs> so I just made that up, but it is a real yeah. company. No, the, yeah. that diodes, Inc. Is. Yeah. They're, they're a little on the lower end, I guess, but you know, they're diodes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the, there's a there's a lot of extra stuff that that goes into the production uh, things that that you don't really consider when 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 doing prototypes. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's sort of a sort of a big game that we're having to play here, uh, yeah. and uh, it's it's going pretty well so far. Having fun with it, that's for sure. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I think it's you know like so <laughs> I have started self-identifying as a realist in the past couple of years. Uh, mostly you know, people would would also refer to me as a pessimist, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, I think it's just like sometimes it's nice to have that reality as a backstop, right? So it's like someone's like, well, I want to buy 5,000 units. It's like, that's great. You can ask for them in two weeks. You can ask up and down in two weeks. But it's just the supply chain doesn't doesn't deal with it. And it's like, okay, and now we have this as a baseline assumption. Now how do we optimize for it getting out in week 10 instead of week 50, right? And that's that's the big difference. That's That's the difference between like a mature organization and an immature organization. The immature organization doesn't even think about that, and then they design in a part that has a forty-week lead time, and then that ultimately decides the 
the um, the fate of the product, right? Well, right, and 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 when you know when discussing these kinds of things with with customers and and just really anyone, uh, the 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 real aspect is what comes out. You know, it just be real with people, and and you know, there's an understanding that hey, these things are you know they take a finite amount of time to create, and yep. uh, and yep. we're gonna we're gonna make it happen. So. Right. Well, and the problem I'd say to tie back to a thing we talked about earlier is the only problem that, that that this really becomes an issue is like when you are talking to software people specifically, right? Because software is, you know, I think a lot of software engineers understand the aspect of time and you know development cycles and stuff like that because of you know just you have to write the code or you have to you know test the code or whatever. But sometimes there's just the physical aspect of like it just you can't just create it. You know, there is there is finite stuff. I even I even separate the electronic stuff from the. Uh, from mechanical sometimes too. Oh right? yeah. So, mechanical. I mean, this isn't. This is. This is a way oversimplification. But you can go and machine a part and and fit it in where you need to. Right. You could create these things. Yeah. And I, I can't. I can't go create a chip like a you know a microcontroller. Yeah. And and the it, thing about that too is is three D printing is really kind of revolutionized the mechanical aspect of uh, projects basically. Because you can sort of, sort of, but, but like, it, so if you can get away with a three D printed part for at least prototyping and stuff oh, for doing yeah. your first articles, but that doesn't—that's not reality, then, right? So that's not. So well, that's even not, some that doesn't have reality as a backstop because I've so the, again, this is I talked to, to Dave, my co-host, and then he was saying, "Oh, well, David Two's a really good designer, his his uh, employee," and I'm like, "Well, that's a big difference between like making a prototype and then going and taking it and making a mold, right? A mold maker is a completely separate person." Than a plastics designer, right, or a, you know, just a designer, correct? Industrial designer, good lord. I mean, I love industrial designers, but <laughs> okay, well, they don't always make things that are uh, uh, makeable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and 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 actually, so the molding thing is is a really interesting topic uh, that we could probably spend a ton of time on. But but one of the things that's that's kind of uh, it's something I'm certainly learning myself more recently, but but it's I don't know it's something that that's kind of been on my mind from beginning my career as an engineer is making the right decisions up front saves yeah. so much time in the end. I mean, one good or one bad decision could either save or cost you months of work mm-hmm. later down yeah. the road. And so, kind of to what Parker was talking about with the 3D printing, yeah, you can you can certainly 3D print a case, but when designing that case, you kind of have to have in mind like, hey, I'm going to 3D print this, but I also want this to be injection molded, so I'm going to 3D print it with injection molding in mind. Yep. Sure. You know, and so right. like making those decisions up front, you spend 5 minutes and save weeks. Oh, yep. totally. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, and that's, I talked to people about that too, for like, so specifically around microcontrollers, right? You know, you talk about sourcing a microcontroller and, and all of the different, you know, so like a microcontroller part number might be 16 digits long. And each one means like, I'm sure you guys know, and I'm sure a lot of your customers and listeners know each one means something. <laughs> and it's usually pretty damn important to know which one each one means. Right. And oh, yeah. it's like, and if you, if you design something in, if you design in something that's not sourceable, you know, at, you know, week zero, and then week 60, your firmware engineer is like, all right, it's all tested. It's ready to go. And you can't, you can't buy it. It's like, oh crap. You know, like you, you, you scramble, right? And that, that is the story of, I wouldn't say failed startups, but man, some definitely sleepless startups and screwing the pooch, right? Uh, Kickstarters. Kickstarters. Sure. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. I mean, you remember when people freak out about like when a 328 goes out of uh, stock in the world, right? That hasn't happened in a while, but like that is just because it's a it's an easy option but it was also not the right option for a lot of people right and it was just the it was the it was the default option almost for people that were going from an arduino to whatever yeah and yeah i mean 
supply chain wise that that really messed a lot of people up they probably should have gone to another product or another part but they Mo- didn't do most, that because they didn't know yeah most of the time those guys can go to a smaller mcu sure well that too yeah. but that's that's a different that's a different optimization right yeah that's not like a sourcing thing that's a cost thing or a whatever well it's also sourcing because then you jump out of the at 328p chunk yeah yeah right True. You know, you know, I got a, I have a, I have a sourcing, um, I not idea, uh, a story. I have a story about a design I was doing that uh, sourcing a made source it story? an absolute pain in the yeah, ass. Right. So yeah. get this. So I had to make a, a an oscillator, and this oscillator had to oscillate at a hundred megahertz, and it had to do, uh, sorry, one megahertz, but it, it had to do some kind of funkiness. There was like some control in there. It was digitally uh, adjustable based off of what load was connected to it, and there was a. A dual transistor package where it's a super matched pair oh, yep. in in like a little sot package, and that one like twenty three five or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so one of those would have made this oscillator absolutely flawless. It, they were they were awesome, but I was totally screwed because nobody on earth would guarantee that they would keep it in, in uh, production for longer than a year. And this product, the, you know, the company wanted to manufacture it for about a decade. So I had to go with a completely different design front end, which frankly wasn't as good. But, you know, the, 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 the sourcing actually drove the design as opposed to, oh, yeah, the com- right. you know. Yeah. Well, thank, thank goodness you actually looked at it, though, right? I mean, imagine, imagine the case where it's like one year out, you're like, guess I'm doing this all over again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Redesign it every year on, you know, actually, I bet you what it was on that is, the manufacturers would build one whole stack of wafers worth, yeah. which they would say is a year's worth, and all of those are matched. And then when they oh, had to rerun it again, they'd yeah. have to redo yeah. the masks oh, to yeah. rematch. I haven't thought, you know, and I bet you, I bet you they do that or because laser. because then then the actual the information in the data sheet will be uniform across all components. Yes, because yeah. it's pretty hard to have two super match transistors on different wafers yep. or different lots be the same. Yeah, that's, that's I bet a good you it's point. by lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the other thing too, though, is a lot of designs are moving away from that. Like, so if there are going to be matched stuff, it's going to be on a die where you're actually designing it yourself, right? Yeah. And then maybe you do some laser trimming or whatever, but yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I've got lots of war stories as well. Uh, <laughs> 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 but those are the good ones to hear, right? I mean, like, I mean, again, like, I'll hear that, and then I'll see a you know mass transistor at some point in the future. Future, I'll be like, yeah, I remember someone told me about this, and I'll go do make the same mistakes, right? It's like, <laughs> or do, deal with the same problems. You know, it's it's the that's the real problem is that in those moments of like, in those moments, it's hard to remember all those lessons or where you heard them. That's why people should listen to the Amp Hour and Macrofab podcast on <laughs> repeat for the rest of their careers. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> infinite repeat. Like yeah, that's right. Put it on the radio and then go to bed. We're in your head right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can play our podcast backwards, and you might hear. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Good you advice. Can hear us Good advice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So I think that wraps up that R S S F O slow fire opinion. Okay, yes. so the next one is um, the giant robot battle. Yeah. Yeah. So this is. Yeah, it happened. It was definitely something, I guess. Um, so th- there was a, for those that don't know, there was a giant robot battle between the United States and Japan, just like in the cartoons and movies that we always watch, except sort it was of. very boring. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So I know Guy and uh, uh, Matt, and they're they're very nice, and uh, 
I, I love that they're building this. Like, think about how much how much they're supporting the machining industry with those huge ass parts. You know, like oh yeah, it's great. It's great. Oh, these things were so, gargantuan. Yeah. So I was about to say because Stephen was giving me a look like I have no idea what you're talking about. No. I've, okay. So I've I've, so I've totally the, followed this project, but I didn't watch the results. I have no okay, idea what so it was like. The thing about the you would like it is the American robot look like from Mech Warrior. Oh yeah, I've seen that. It yeah. it looks incredible. Yeah, it and is awesome. The, and the Japanese one looks like it's from Japan. Well, no, I would say it's for, what, what's the uh, what was that anime? Um, Gundam. Evangelion. No, 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 no. Uh, was it Gundam? They, Gundam? That, they just had a movie a couple months ago for it. Voltron. No. Mega, Voltron. Mega Man. No, Mega <laughs> I can't remember for, for some reason. Um, I'm just going off Ghost Ready Player One. Ghost I was oh just yeah, it does Ready look Player like a Ghost. One, and they talk about that stuff in Ready Player One all the time. So I was like. Trying to list those out, you know. Yeah, it's ghost. It's a kind of like a ghost and shell style design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like in like the first round, basically the Japanese robot just went straight ahead and just knocked it over, <laughs> knocked the USA robot over. So wait, what were the rules? Did was it just like a like a ring? You had to push him out of the ring, or no? So it wasn't sumo them? bots. It was like kind of like boxing. Okay, kind of. Okay. There wasn't. It didn't seem like there was a lot of rules, and it seemed very scripted. Of what was going on? Oh, yeah. um, I mean, from a safety perspective, they were sitting in these damn things. Like, yeah, that's the thing that I never got. Like, the, yeah, that, why were that, they doing that? Because, like, because you have um, like battle bots that you know just came back last year, and like, yeah, I, actually, they, they I watched read them. I was actually watching it last night, which is like it's in like the semifinals or something right now, and like one of the bots exploded. Awesome, <laughs> and I'm like, nice. that is awesome. Why can't right. like what they need to do on the? Like, you wouldn't feel that good as if these things blew up, right? Yeah, well, yeah, the drivers, yeah. But I'm like, just take the people out of it and just have giant robots fight each other. Yeah. I don't know. If it gets more, like, again, this is, like, one of those things where if it gets more people in engineering, that's great. Uh, I I love, like, I love watching the build videos. Like, that's the really cool part. Oh, yeah, part. the build videos the, are great. But the thing is, like, if you want to get, like, mass appeal, then you need things blowing up, right? And I, I'm not in that mass appeal group. I, I want to see the stuff getting built. So... I hope they keep they they and they've been making videos that are pretty fun. So, yeah, and they had a Kickstarter and stuff like that to get everything going. So, how how much how much money was dumped into each robot? A couple million, I think. Yeah, I easily. They, they actually ended up raising. They ended up raising money. They they got some sponsorship from like Autodesk and uh, a couple of the big companies. Oh, yeah. um, they easily was several million dollars into each robot. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and that was just for the offices in San Francisco. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> for six months, right? Right, uh, six days actually. Six days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, one, one the American robot was uh, was named Iron Glory. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Another yeah. 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 one's right. uh, Karatas. So, yeah. Steel Patriot. <laughs> Steel Patriot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was like the the build videos are really awesome, and I was actually pretty hyped. And then like I watched the fighting, and I'm like, okay. This is why I actually like watching movies of giant fighting robots. Yeah, right. They right, just right. break. They can break physics, and it's right. awesome when they do that. You know what's interesting <laughs> is to consider kind of like the design philosophies between each team, because I'm I, I I doubt they actually shared a whole lot during the the build process. I'm sure there were some in between well, there, one, but one of them published at least, so that that does help. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but the the American one still has that like muscle car kind of add more yeah, steel, sure. it'll be better. It had a mentality. chainsaw on it. Well, yeah. That, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that was actually pretty awesome. 
<laughs> that was like the only damage was when they brought like it was like the Japanese robot put its arm out like here's my arm and the USA robot goes ah chainsaw it was like oh my god <laughs> it's like because basically the robot just stood there with its arm hanging out so they could chop it off oh did it actually take the arm off uh no but it did pr- it messed it up pretty good all right it wasn't so like battle watch, this is so. on twitch or what um, I watched the replays on YouTube, so okay. But yeah, the uh, BattleBots is definitely the way to go. So, okay, on on that. Yeah, stuff. that's always been fun. I mean, but the BattleBots has this thing too, where it's like, all right, the wedge won again. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> the wedge with the forklift front that the just friggin', tosses the friggin' wedge, man. Every yeah. time. Yeah. Every, every time. Yeah. Actually, one of the last night, one of the um, um. Popular bots. It's it's the I can't remember the company. It, it's called the Minotaur. And it's it's like won a couple times. It actually lost last night. Hmm. So hmm. it's one of those. It's a box with a spinner on the front. So there's there's a handful. Of yeah, those. handful of those. So, mm-hmm. but it lost yeah. through like, oh man, it, it was one of those bots that has just the big disc that spins, hmm. and those always lose, and it won. So. And in the semifinals, so it was interesting. I think everyone this is like what this is like. What happens when electron like electro nerds talk about sports? This is like our sports, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, the, today the, in the sports, spinny thing on the front or the sports. wedge. Or the, yeah, I think right. what BattleBots boils down to is it's not really about the, like the weapons. It's just can you design something that can survive? Right. Because if you right. can do that, that's because most of these bots. Well, die. they have weight classes too, right? So you can't just like armor the shit out of it. You have to actually yeah, there's, there's, engineer it. Yeah, there's a weight class and stuff. But it's like if you can design a drivetrain, because like actually the one that lost last night, it lost because it just couldn't move anymore. So yeah, if you can just design right. something that just keeps moving. Yep. An industrial battle bot. Yeah. So that's another layer when you're designing <laughs> your product is can it survive three rounds with the Juggernator yeah. in the ring? <laughs> Or what was the old one from uh, from uh, what was it was the the robot wars? They had like Sir Chops a lot or something like that. Like yeah. the, the house bots, remember? Oh, that was the British one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the dude who was in um, Red Dwarf, he was the uh, he was the guy who was he the announcer? He was the announcer. Oh, yeah. That's right. He made it yeah. awesome. <laughs> so uh, rapid fire opinion on giant robot battle? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Take the humans out, then thumbs up, because then you can actually destroy stuff. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Chris? Sorry. Uh I'd say uh thumbs up on the build, uh thumbs whatever on the uh on the actual implementation. Yeah, I guess yeah. if you dump a couple million dollars into these things, you really don't want them to be destroyed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe they should do like like time trial type things or you know what I mean? Like making an obstacle course. I I don't know. But then it loses the appeal. So Yeah. I shouldn't design these shows. I know that. <laughs> but, but no, robotics, great. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah, but the uh, build videos are great. So. Yeah. And that's the thing is when you put a lot of money into it, you can have those build videos that look really nice. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Cool. So, I, that's the end of the RFO section. So, Chris, do you want to sign us out? Sure. That was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I was your guest, Chris Camel. And we're your hosts, Parker Dillon and Stephen Craig. See you later, everyone. Take it easy.
Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic that you want Stephen and I to discuss, tweet us at MacFab or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. That's where we, you know, talk about cool electronic stuff, the map, um, you know, general macrofabian things. Um, and if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. Yes, with our new website, we have a subscribe button now that we've been talking about that did not exist for like 20 episodes. Um, so yeah, click that button. You'll get the latest map episode right when it releases. And please review us on iTunes as it helps the show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.